So now we're going to look at Luke 10, starting in verse 38. And we're going to read about Jesus meeting with Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew, for this invitation, for the opportunity to be here. Good morning, Washington Fellowship, Washington Community Fellowship. I've been practicing that for a little bit and missed it anyway. My apologies. <laughs> so here we are. We find ourselves together this day, and I want to bring you greetings from my church home, which is in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, it's called Kingdom Fellowship AME Church. So if you are family and friends, we would love to have you join us on our website as well. Uh, www.kingdom.global is the web address. But we're here today at Washington Community Fellowship Church, and I'm super excited about the opportunity to share with my cohort members. Andrew and with the good people here at this church, even virtually. So I will take us now to a, word, a brief word of prayer, and then I'll read the scripture once more from the Passion Translation. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love, for your kindness, for your care, and for your concern. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would study us in this moment that we would receive exactly what you have in mind for us, in store for us. Now I pray, God, that you would allow me to be your mouthpiece. Allow me to speak only what you'd have your people to hear, to think only thoughts that would edify you, and to be a blessing in this moment and beyond. This is our prayer we make by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 from the Passion Translation, it reads this way. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared, but Martha became exacerbated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for the guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. If you'll join me for a moment of celebration and time of sharing from the message, the blessing of both and. 
the blessing of both and. Often when we hear the account of two people, there is a natural tendency to think that one is better than the other or that one has more significance or worth or value. And here, as we read this scripture and this text from the series Encounters with Jesus, we find two women with equal worth and value. You see, their interactions with Jesus are presented in order for us to glean wisdom. Whether man or woman, boy or girl, again, we have a natural tendency to be more like Mary or more like Martha. And some of us are like a hybrid version. (laughs) We're a little bit of Martha sometimes, a little bit of Mary, and other times more Mary than Martha. But the tension is there. There's a tendency for both. And sometimes we find ourselves in a space where we feel like we need to choose sides. But I appreciate that Jesus doesn't really ask us to choose sides. More he acknowledges and asks us to acknowledge that both exist and often occupy the same space at the same time and they both serve meaningful purposes. Yes, Mary has a purpose, and Martha has a purpose, and even the hybrid versions of Mary and Martha have a purpose, amen. In the climate that we're living in, this current climate, there are men and women who embody the spirits of Mary and Martha. Some worship while others work. Some pray for the healing of our land while others protest police brutality against black and brown bodies in America. Some serve as sanctuary spaces while others resist systemic oppression at all costs. And still, others do the work while they pray, while they protest. In essence, they worship while they work. There is a fundamental value to both Mary and Martha. In our text, we see that Jesus visits Martha and Mary. And before there is a visitation, there was an invitation. In verse 38, scripture tells us that a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Some of us would feel the pressure to clean the house from the ceiling to the floors to include the baseboards. Some might need to make a Costco or BJ's run to gather all the supplies. And others of us would have feel inclined to give the, the company is coming, behave and do what you know is right, speech or else. We'd give that speech to our kids. I know I'd probably be in that number. And this will be all before we even invited Jesus in, all before we extended the invitation. In this moment, I invite you to ask yourself, if Jesus and his disciples were in your neighborhood, if they were in your village, if they were in your town, would you be inclined to invite them in? This is an example of when opportunity meets destiny. You see, Jesus was there, and the woman was there, and she welcomed Jesus in. From then on, she is known as the woman who welcomed Jesus into her home. What an amazing legacy moment to be the woman or the man who welcomed Jesus in. We are given Martha's name after it has been established that she is the one who invited Jesus into her home. Beloved, our identity, that is who we are, is more accentuated and more fully realized in light of Jesus's presence in our lives. Again, we learn her name after she has invited Jesus in. The text further informs us that Martha has a sister named Mary. And in Hebrew, the word sister also means one connected to the tie of Christian religion. But we'll come back to that a little bit later. In verse 39, upon introduction, we learn of Mary's role, 
that of attentive listener at the feet of Jesus. So we see that Martha and Mary both had meaningful roles from the outset. Martha, the welcomer, and Mary, the worshiper. In the same way that an invitation precedes welcome, with Jesus, worship follows the invitation. If not for Martha's welcoming Jesus to their home, there would be no sitting at Jesus' feet to glean wisdom or to absorb every revelation. Here we see that both are essential. I'll say it again, both are essential. In a time where the powers that be are seeking to determine who or what is essential in terms of workers and businesses that need to be open and what phase and all of those details, we see here that Mary and Martha both meet the quota. They both meet the criteria. Both are essential. Now I invite you to ask yourself another question. After I invited Jesus into my home or my heart, did I remember to worship him? In verse number 40, we find Martha caught up in the details of hosting the guests, listen, that she had already invited in. They were already inside. They weren't guests that were coming from afar, but they were already there. And so she's frazzled. I can only imagine you're not just hosting guests, but this is Jesus and his disciples. Like this is like, I don't know who you would compare to Jesus and his disciples of all the people who could ever visit you. So I can only imagine the overwhelm and the sense of, I need to get this right. And so Martha is in this position of hostess with the mostest, and she's doing the best she can. I appreciate, though, that she's hosting the guests who are already there. And this suggests that you and I may have already invited and welcomed Jesus in to our homes and our hearts, yet we don't have everything together. We don't have it all figured out. All the T's aren't crossed and all the I's aren't dotted and there's some commas missing and there's some punctuation that's not all over the place. And we're thinking that maybe I'm not making the mark. Maybe I'm not cut for this. That is indeed a trick of the enemy of our souls to cause us to think that we have to have it all together before we invite Jesus in. I remind you, as I was reminded in preparing for this moment, that the truth is that like Martha, you and I cannot get it together whatever it is, without the presence of Jesus. And so we might as well invite him in. (laughs) He'll help us take care of the details once he's in. And I love that Jesus affirms this invitation. He accepts the invitation of Martha without a checklist. He doesn't say, do you have, you know, 300 count thread sheets? Do you have, you know, muslin towels? Do you have, you know, the finest of of cuisine? Are you really a great cook? Or are you just like a out of the microwave kind of girl? I know you didn't have microwaves back then. I'm contextualizing this for present day, right? But this idea that Jesus didn't ask about those details. He didn't ask about the amenities. He didn't ask about dietary restrictions or proof of her Airbnb superstar status. He just shows up. He accepted the invitation and he came into her home and he made himself at home. He sat down and did what Jesus did. He shared, he spoke to them about the mysteries and about the parables and about who he was and about the soon coming king and about all the amazing things that God intended to do in and through and for his people. Now we reach the tension in the text. From the outside looking in, things are looking great. Things are going well. Jesus is there. The disciples are there. There's this sharing and there's this fellowship. Insert scene change. Martha enters the room and offers this pointed question. Lord, 
Don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. Martha, like some of us, likely had an unspoken expectation that if we are hosting guests, remember Mary and Martha live here, that if we are hosting guests, then that means we are doing the work of hosting said guest. So the fact that Mary is at Jesus' feet and gleaning every bit of revelation and word wisdom, Martha's having this moment where she's a bit confused, she's upset, she's overwhelmed. Remember that I mentioned a while ago that in Hebrew, the word sister means one connected by the tie of Christian religion. It's likely that Martha expected that Mary would serve Jesus, listen, and the guests in the same way that she did. Ask yourself, have you ever become frustrated or annoyed with a fellow believer who appeared to be less engaged than you? Maybe they didn't show up early and stay late like you. Or maybe they didn't check on the elders or the widows or the new moms the way you do. Or maybe they didn't show up for the virtual cafe or the 3D deep dive dialogue. Or maybe they didn't attend the book club or read the appropriate chapters like you did. Again, I raise the question, has your frustration about the perceived service of another caused you to interrupt God? Notice that Martha wasn't upset about Mary's worship, but what appeared to be her lack of engagement in the tasks at hand. Martha was upset about and distracted by what Mary wasn't doing and therefore she missed what she was doing. I'll say it again. Martha was upset and distracted by what Martha was by what Mary wasn't doing and therefore she missed what she was doing. Sometimes we fail to see the value of what others are doing because it doesn't look like what we're doing and therefore maybe it doesn't seem as valuable. While some might take issue with Martha's approach, I so appreciate the boldness of her faith. I can imagine her rolling her neck to Jesus like, how dare she sit on the floor at your feet? You see, Martha had great confidence in the person she invited in. The question is, do you? Do you have the confidence to believe that if there is a challenge or a concern that you can interrupt Jesus? that you can walk boldly into the room with your concern on your, on your face and in your voice and in your tone to say, Jesus, something about this is not right. Something about this needs to change. Do you have great confidence in Jesus such that you are willing to interrupt him and initiate a dialogue about what you see and what you sense? You see, Martha was not messy. She didn't pull a disciple to the side to have a side conversation to have him co-sign her annoyance. She didn't DM or text a member of the church or some part of the community to say, can you believe Mary wasn't helping me in the kitchen? She didn't make a vague social media post about people who don't do their part. Instead, she went to the source. She spoke directly to Jesus about her concern, and she provided what she believed was a worthy solution. Have her get up and come help me. Beloved, you and I should be wise to follow Martha's lead and interrupt Jesus with our concerns. As we watch the news of the terrors of racism and systemic oppression, 
as we watch families struggle even more in the wake of lowered unemployment compensation, as COVID cases and deaths mount, as Flint, Michigan is still without clean water, as Breonna Taylor's killers have still not been arrested, my God, you and I have multiple, multiple, many, various, a lot of reasons to interrupt God with our concerns. Yes, I'm telling you that it is okay to interrupt Jesus with your concerns. No concern is too great and no concern is too small because Jesus cares for us. We see in our text that Jesus is receptive and responsive to our interruptions. Martha interrupted Jesus and Jesus paid attention. He didn't shoo her away. He didn't say, shh, we're talking big time business here. We're talking about the things of the kingdom. Jesus invited her in even at this moment of interruption. And that gives me a joyful hope. It lets me know that Jesus is concerned about my worship, but he's also concerned about my welcoming him. And he's concerned about what concerns me. That blesses me tremendously. In this life, there will be things that exasperate us and that will lead us to feel overwhelmed and stressed and stretched. And Jesus himself cares enough about you and about me, about each of his children to be interrupted as we express our concern and upset. I love, 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 love with a deep passion how Jesus responds to Martha. He speaks directly to her by name. He says, Martha, beloved Martha, Jesus is relational. And if you know anything else about Jesus, you know that he is intentional to meet us where we are. Consider the woman at the well. She didn't have to come to Jesus. He went to where she was. Consider Zacchaeus. He was trying to find Jesus low on the ground. It was too short, so he climbed up into the tree. And it wasn't until he made his way into the tree that Jesus then identified him and they had that conversation. Jesus comes to where we are. Martha encounters Jesus where she is in her assumed role of welcomer and finds that there's more. In the opening line of his response, Jesus speaks to the heart of Mary, the person, not the producer. She was in production mode. She was in work mode. She was in get it all done, get it all finished, check this off the list. And Jesus spoke to the person of Martha. I believe that with this statement, Jesus is letting us know that he cares more. Please listen, that Jesus cares more about our presence than our productivity. I'll say it again. Jesus cares more about your presence than your productivity. Jesus cares more about our presence than our productivity. This is to say that Jesus cares more about our being than our doing. We live in the DMV. Many of us do. And you meet somebody and the first thing they say is, hey, what do you do? It's a great question, except it minimizes us to our doing. It forgets about the fact that we're a whole being, that God created us to be, right? Scripture says to be still and know that he is God, not do still, but be still. I love that Jesus speaks to the heart of Martha. He says, Martha, my beloved Martha. And then he tells her this beautiful thing, this beautiful exchange they have. We tend to be overworked and we overthink and we overdo. And Jesus is asking Martha to slow down, to just be present. Jesus cares more about our presence than our productivity. Now with this clarification, I invite you to replace Martha's name with your own name and read it aloud 
Yes, at your kitchen table, in your living room, in your bed, with your PJs on, with your hair rollers in. You haven't brushed your teeth yet, it's okay. I will say it, and I hope you'll do, do it too. Erica, my beloved Erica. Imagine Jesus speaking your name, greeting the person of you, to acknowledge you, the fullness of you, not just the work that you do, not just the way that you serve, not just the way that you mother or father your children, but the way that you are you. Those idiosyncrasies, those small tendencies, those ways you think, those quirks, God wants you to know that he cares more about your presence than your productivity. When I said Erica, my beloved Erica, it made me smile. The very thought that Jesus would think of me. Think enough of us to check in with us, as he did with Martha, to ask about our feelings. After addressing Martha from a relational context, Jesus asked her a reasonable question. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Jesus asked Martha, and he's asking us today, about our feelings and our distractions. Can you readily identify your feelings and distractions? Maybe your feelings include resentment, disappointment, sadness, guilt, shame, or discontentment. Maybe your distractions include sin or social media. Maybe it's the news or fears. Maybe it's the comparison trap. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Or could it be disobedience? Each of us can contemplate and answer these questions with the assurance that Jesus is receptive. He doesn't ask rhetorical questions that he doesn't wait for answers for. <laughs> he really wanted to engage Martha in this dialogue, and so they did. He's listening and he's responsive. He has something to say in response to us, and indeed it is specific to us. As a mental health clinician, I'd like to pause here to say that if you are feeling overwhelmed by your feelings, that is to say that maybe sometimes it feels hard to breathe under the weight or the pressure of them, or it's hard to identify them by name or even to determine what's causing them. I feel this way, but I'm not sure why. It's important to know that Jesus also cares about your mental and emotional health. And he cares so much that he sent a therapist, that's me, to speak these words over you. Therapy is for God's children. It's for us too. Therapy is for God's children. Those who serve in the pulpit, those who sit in the pew, those who serve in the back where nobody sees you, God has therapy for you. How do I know? Because I'm a therapist who also has a therapist, and I approve this message for therapy. Absolutely. Therapy is a great resource that God often uses in our lives to create a safe and sacred space to further enhance and hone the areas of wellness that lead to more fruitful living in ways that create a legacy of wellness for those we know and love. In the process of therapy, we can discern the areas of overwhelm and scale back or create boundaries that are more sustainable that foster the way that we seek joy and fullness of life. As you and I think about our list of to-dos, and the list can be long, 
We have lists that include family, the house, we have vehicles, we have work, we have ministry, we have social and civic organizations, we have businesses that we run, we have boards that we're a part of, we have meetings to go to, or should I say Zoom to, we have messages to check. All of these tasks are important and can sometimes be a distraction from what God wants most from us. Remember, God is more concerned about our presence than our productivity. And I believe that it's important for us to be present. God wants us to be present. He wants our participation to be active, such that we can cultivate and sustain an abiding love relationship with him. One that will allow us to have the energy, the vibrancy, and even the joy to accomplish the to-do list. In our final verse, verse 42, we find Jesus's words of admonition. He says, Mary was, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. Jesus stressed the significance of Mary's choice. Beloved, there will always be, and I want you to see always in all caps, underline bold three times with exclamation points down the page. There will always be a list of things we have to do. We have to work. We have to pay bills. We have to pay taxes. We have to do laundry. We have to buy groceries and prepare meals. We should want to, I hope we want to create anti-racist spaces. We have to prepare for a future. We have to save. We have to zoom here and there. We have to raise our families and educate our children. And God knows we need to read our Bible and study to show ourselves approved. We have to care for elders. The list goes on and on. And in the midst of the list of things we have to do, Worshiping God is the thing we get to do. We get to spend time with him. We get to allow his word to wash over us. We get to allow songs of worship to take root in our hearts such that when we look at the world and it's hard to see how we'll make it, not just to tomorrow, but through the next five or 15 minutes, it is those songs, it is the words of scripture that, rem that rem rubble up on the inside of us, I was going to say, that we reminisce about, that help us to understand the fullness of who God is and who God is calling us to be. And so, beloved, it is important that in all the have to do, we make time and we prioritize room for the worship that we get to do that is unto our God. When you and I decide to take a break from the have to do's in life, we are guaranteed by Jesus's words for a return on our investment. He said this one thing won't be taken away from us. I invite you to consider the breaks that you can take this week as you discover the one thing most important by choosing to sit at Jesus' feet. Because we have the assurance that these sacred pauses will not be taken from us. In addition to that, this week, I encourage you to consider your Mary and Martha moments, or should we say the hybrid moments in between, and to do so without judgment but more from a space of curiosity so that you and I can be sure to take our concerns directly to the source, remembering that there is indeed a blessing in both and. Let us pray. All wise and gracious God, we thank you and praise you for being a kind father. We are extremely grateful for the reminder today that we don't always have to choose between Mary or Martha because the reality is sometimes we are both. 
remind us of the need to welcome you, but also to worship you, the need to do the work, but also to make time to remember for whom we're working, that we're trying to live our lives in a way that pleases you, in a way that honors you, in a way that allows others to see you and be drawn to you by our actions, by our words. So bless us, we pray in this season and at this time, that we will embody the blessing of both and as we endeavor to see the value and the virtue of both Mary and Martha, even as they show up in us. This is our prayer, and we make it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.